Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today we're over the moon to welcome <laughs> back our dear friend, Sarah Hewitt-Roth. Uh, welcome, Sarah. Hi, everybody. So great to see you guys. We legit have been talking forever before we hit record. Like, we've been so excited to catch up that we just went ahead and did that. If listeners will remember, Sarah and I played together on Anastasia on Broadway for two years right next to each other. And she was last on for episode 314, It Is What It Is, to talk about Lily the cellist. (laughs) Sarah and Melissa at that time had not met. Well, in the intervening time, they've met. Uh, Such a good story. (laughs) Melissa and Mark came. They resumed their annual New York summer visit. And we went to the Music Man with Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster and it turned out Sarah was subbing in the orchestra that night. And so we went down to intermission. <laughs> we fought through the fucking Red Sea. <laughs> we were salmon upstream oh, to right. get to that pit. I was going to meet Sarah. I was so excited. It was such a thrill to meet <laughs> It was wonderful. And to see Caleb again, it was just, oh, I was like, I was in heaven. It was so great to see you guys. And I think you're yes. the, you're, I think you're now the only person who's been a guest on the podcast who I hadn't met in person, who I've now met in person. I don't think I've met anybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so, so that's funny. pretty cool. Wow. I know it was like for five minutes, it counts. It totally counts. <laughs> and, and we had masks on. Yeah. Yes. Really see each other's <laughs> but we were like hello <laughs> yes it was the whole thing it was great yeah and what a great show the music man was oh my god i loved it that oh must my be a gosh. thrill to play yeah. that so great. Yeah. and and caleb plays there too yeah i played two shows there <laughs> was it ever when sarah was there or no Yes. 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 Oh, fun. My first yes. one was with Sarah. And she was so good. She was so good. <laughs> what have you been up to since the last time we had you on? Well, gosh, let me see. I mean, I'm just doing a lot of cello stuff and <laughs> teaching my son. My oldest just went to college and he just started second year. And I my remember daughter's you a senior talking in high about school. That. Oh, right. Because I think in that episode, Hattie was there was the whole thing about her deciding off to college and yeah and uh they were wondering if they could afford it and all of that stuff yeah so I don't know just doing this doing the things I feel like I'm constantly busy but doing a lot of the same stuff you said it's your daughter's last year of high school Mm. are you looking towards that with like sadness like oh no soon no kids in the house or are you excited or is it both (laughs) well yeah, it's definitely sadness. It'll be it'll be sad for sure. Because yeah. you know, she's my little buddy. But Aww. I don't know. We'll see what it'll be like when it happens, you know. Oh my gosh. You've got a whole year. Yeah. I've got, I've got some time. Right, right. I don't know if this is you, but I've literally you know, I teach seniors and I've literally had parents like cry in parent teacher conferences. They're like, This is our last conference ever. And then I'm like, oh no. And I like hug them. It's a whole thing. And so I don't know. Maybe that'll be you. Like this is our last this oh. and this is our last that. Oh, I don't know. Oh gosh. Sorry. Probably. Probably will be. I don't know. <laughs> oh man. And I'm back to Alfie, the dog that you heard barking. It's like he kind of came into our life, but right before our son went to college, I was like, huh, I wonder what, you know, it wasn't consciously, you know, but it was sort of like, 
trying to keep the brood, you know, full ish. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're making me realize that you, you said that your daughter was your little buddy, which I actually think is something that Christina said about Hattie when Hattie went to college and then they got a dog. I think parenthood is very relatable. <laughs> so you know? funny. Yes. <laughs> I really love that. <laughs> So, oh, oh my God. Well, you know, we usually only ask new guests what their history with the show Parenthood is. But you were just telling us before we got on about your history with the show. Can you catch up our listeners? Well, yes. So before you guys talked to me about coming on your podcast, I had never seen Parenthood. So, of course, to prepare for the podcast, I, you know, watched the episode you asked about and I just got hooked so <laughs> I've been watching it but I haven't caught up to the episode run now but so that was the funny thing is that I'm still a couple episodes behind so it was like a fast forward into this this episode but <laughs> you'll be anyway. like wait what but thank what? you what's happening with these people yeah, <laughs> yeah I do feel bad but that it's getting spoiled thank you for introducing me to this <laughs> yay <laughs> glad you're I think it'll it. be a very unique perspective yeah. someone who is not a novice but is maybe just like one or two dots ahead and they have to connect like, yeah how did we get here yeah that is fun yeah. I like that yeah. well Let's dive in. Today, we're discussing Parenthood Season 5, Episode 20, Cold Feet. It was written by David Hudgens, directed by Michael Weaver. It originally aired on April 3rd, 2014. Here's the TV Guide synopsis. Zeke and Camille come to an agreement about the house. Julia helps Christina and Adam, but remains unsure of how to tackle issues in her own life. And Sarah intervenes after learning what her children have been doing. So the title, Cold Feet, to me, most obviously applied to Zeke and Camille finally selling their house. And Camille, who wanted it so much, is suddenly not so sure. Millie, we can't keep everything. But these things have sentimental value. Everything here has some sentimental value. I mean, hell, the whole house has sentimental value. I mean, that's what happens, honey. This is, uh, this is what you get when you downsize. Thought you know every single thing I looked at today was awful. Well, you just started looking. Come on, you're gonna find something. You know, I was so wrapped up in convincing you to move and just being heard that maybe I didn't listen to you enough. Don't start second-guessing yourself here. Yeah, but maybe you were right. Maybe we shouldn't be selling the house. This isn't the time to get cold feet. No, it's only partly that. I'm really afraid that we're not going to find anything better. What if we made a terrible mistake? Oh, my God. Okay, now look. Millie, you and I are a team here, all right? And we are going to find a place. It's going to be great. And everything is going to be fine. Come on. I promise. Okay. All right? Yeah. Now, I loved that scene. I did too. But as soon as I did, I wrote down, why? <laughs> I'm not glad that Camille's having doubts. Like, I don't want her to think they made a terrible mistake. Let me ask you guys first. What, what, well, Melissa, you said you loved it. Why did you love it? Do you know? I think I do know, and I, I bet I know why you loved it too, not to speak for you, but I think that maybe it's it was just so nice to see Zeke reassure her instead of, you know, he could have totally been like, well, why the hell did you have us sell the place then, damn it? Like, that's my best Craig mm -hmm. T. Nelson right there. Um, but, you know, he, he, he could have gotten indignant. He could have, like, really punished her for that comment. And I think 
there was a lot of trust in her making that comment at all. You know, like like admitting mm. that she was really just wanting to be heard. And so she there wasn't a lot of room for her to have doubts. And so it was nice that he was giving her room to have doubts. You know, yeah. of course you were right. Because <laughs> I did write down, I like that Zeke called them a team. Yeah. But I think you hit it even more. It's not just that they're a team, but this is like evidence that he really did come around. Yeah. He actually is on board. Yeah. Not just doing it to make her happy, which is not the worst reason in the world, but it's not as good a reason as he actually heard her and agreed and yeah. was a team with her. Yeah. He's not resenting her, you know, for... Yeah. And a very good point about for her to even say that shows that she is acknowledging that. Yeah. That she believes it and trusts him when he says, I want what you want. Yeah. It felt like progress. It yeah. was good. Yeah. So, Sarah, you were like, oh, they're selling their house. How did this happen? Was that like your <laughs> reaction, kind of? A little bit. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, because that house is the center of everything all the time, at least, you know up to where I've seen it, you know, yeah. and it's such a great house too. Yeah. You know, if I remember correctly, I think that, you know, we've talked about it before, but the show was constantly on the bubble. We never knew if it was going to get renewed. And so I really wonder, cause Sarah, you just said something so insightful, like that is the center of everything. I wonder if they were like, well, and there's a good chance that it's a great way to end the whole series. Like, you know, the house right, that's the center right, of everything yeah. is being sold, but then, mm-hmm. you know, there's a season six. And so maybe they're like, Oh shoot. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a spoiler. I feel like is okay to spoil people. If you haven't gone beyond this, they actually do sell the house. Yeah. There isn't some last minute, oh, we got it back. Oh, yeah. It yeah. just wouldn't be parenthood without the house. But I agree, it does feel that way. Like, how do you have parenthood without this house? But I really admire the show for doing that because then we're a little bit in like Crosby's shoes. Yeah. Who doesn't want to get rid of the house? Mm-hmm. Who am I without this house as the hub yeah. of family life? And it's like, well, family is not your house, it's just a house. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. What did you think of the house he showed her? I love it. I maybe love it more. It's so nice. Yeah. Because I am a person who loves like small houses. I live in a small house, you know, of course I didn't have four children like Zeke and Camille. So, but, but, um, I just think it's precious. (laughs) I was like, you just got a little fairy tale house for her. I don't know. So I'm like, yeah, that's definitely, it's definitely a fairy tale house. I agree. It's so cute. Very cute. And the views. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Caleb, did you like it? What about Caleb? Yeah, Yeah. I did. And I thought it was very sweet how he showed it to her. Yeah. <laughs> Although the house didn't seem all that small to me. I just kept thinking, is this really a lot smaller than the other house? <laughs> <laughs> That's like, it's so funny because Caleb, it's like he's a New Yorker. And so like when you like when you live in New York for a while, like this has happened to me too. It's like you see a room and you're like, I could fit my bedroom and my kitchen and my bathroom <laughs> in this little sense. space. You know, it's just like. Yeah. It's so funny. Your sense of like space is so different. And the big question I had was, do they have to still go upstairs to get to their bedroom? Oh, yeah. No, Because oh, it didn't yeah. seem like a kind of house right. yeah. that would have a bedroom on the first floor. And, and I just thought they're 
old. That I mean, they're both able-bodied. <laughs> yeah, great, yeah. But yeah, it's a good point. I think that house is one hundred percent aspirational, right? Like it is not mm-hmm. probably yeah. what a couple their age actually would have bought. It's more like. Yeah. All right, Parenthood fans, you still want to dream about where Zeke and Camille live? Here's the next version because it's yeah. just as dreamy. But you're totally right. Like it would have been much more practical for them to think ahead to, you know, when stairs would be difficult. Mm-hmm. And, well, yeah. previously she had said condo, you know, it's like this isn't a condo. I... No, no. But maybe that's also a sign of compromise. Well, I got the feeling that Zeke really had no interest in a very sort of sterile kind of place with no character. Mm -hmm. And this is apparently smaller than the house (laughs) that they have now, but still oozes character. And I thought, okay, so Camille is getting what she wants, which is not so much house to have to maintain. And Zeke is still getting stuff with projects to do, you know, things that need to be renovated and refurbished. And something that can have a little personal stamp on it. And there's still a yard. And the, yeah. okay, they're here. I liked when he said, I could get used to it. Yeah. It coming from mm-hmm. him, it felt like high praise. Yeah. Knowing that he didn't want to get rid of the house, but this place, oh, I could get used to it. Yeah. I will say that I actually did remember that house because I, I loved it so much that I was like, well, okay, it's all going to be fine because little does Zeke De- mm-hmm. know they're moving into like this adorable fairy tale house. All I could remember about where they ended up was like one image from the series finale that takes place in that house. But I didn't remember the house until I saw it. And I was like, oh yeah, this is it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad they like it. Spoiler, everybody. This is the house they buy. I hope that's okay that we said. But what? It, of course it is. This isn't a spoiler, right? I mean, like, come on. <laughs> I did I did have a moment of thinking, this is a very quick turnaround. They sign the paperwork at the top of the episode. In the middle of the episode, Camille says, I think we made a big mistake. And then the end of the episode, oh, no, we didn't. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> Problem solved. That is also another fairy tale home yeah. <laughs> right here just waiting for us yeah. i couldn't find it but until i did <laughs> <laughs> i just called the realtor that's how i did it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. wow in other braverman news sarah has discovered that her kids are living together oh, and yeah. avoiding their problems together <laughs> i took note that I think she has every right to be mad about yeah. Drew not going to college when she's paying for oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sarah, any yeah, thoughts? For <laughs> sure. Yes. I was like, yes. <laughs> I would have, like, dragged him out, too. That's I'm crazy. like, you can be sad and go to class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So Birdo's parents, he says, are both psychiatrists. And especially in this episode, I started thinking, what if his name is Birdo Pelican? <gasps> I hope it is. Oh my God. That would be such a fun oh reveal. Oh my gosh. This episode reminded me, by the way, why I love Birdo. I was I was always like, I feel like I love this character. When does that kick in? Oh man, here. I don't know if you guys felt the same way or not really. <laughs> he definitely has depth and wisdom within him that you wouldn't necessarily expect. All right, so here's what we're gonna do, man. You are gonna chug a beer and tell me something that you hate about me. Then you're gonna do it again and again until you're done. 
then we can be friends again. No, because we never were friends. Because you've never asked me a single question about myself, and all you care about is you. That's a good start. Chug. You have terrible taste in music, you know? My mom makes better CDs than you do. That's right, yeah, she does. And then does. you think that you're so cool because you play lacrosse, really, and you don't even start when you play. Like, I haven't played a minute all season. I have totally overcome. Yeah, you're saying. bad at the whole sport. You take everything from the fridge, literally everything, you know? And then you give my toothbrush to some girl you just hooked up with. Yeah, I did and do it's that. It's <laughs> annoying. And it pisses me off that you don't even study and then you get good grades on some tests that I, I actually work at. Come on, keep them coming, no, keep them coming. No, because it doesn't make sense. And I'm nothing but cool to you. You went and stabbed me in the back. How? After I've been respectful to you, how? exactly how. Say no, because you slept with Natalie. And you know I like her. You know that. God, you're such a okay. You know exactly hey, I'm what sorry. No, you're not. That's the whole thing. Damn, Holt! I swear to God, I'm sorry! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He got him to admit the root of the problem. I thought the impact was lessened a little bit, though, because I thought, hasn't Drew been very forthright about why he was mad? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was because he slept with Natalie and he knew that he liked her. Yeah. That was never a secret that we had to, like, Reveal. Now that you've pointed that out, oh. you're, yeah, that's true. That's kind of a, a little bit of a plot hole, I think. I Oh, he um, finally said it. What? He's been saying it that constantly. That thing we knew all along. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was so charming. Oh. There's something about somebody just like when Drew's saying all this me mean stuff about him, he's like, yeah, I do. You're right. That's annoying. Yeah. Keep him coming. I'm like, that's delightful. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I have no deep insight about it. Well, what about this? I'm going to say something, and you might throw a beer at me again. What? I messed that up for you. I'm sorry, but you kind of messed it up first. All that's not really on her. It's on you. I thought that was maybe a little more insightful. Yeah. I wonder, do you think that Birdo is right? Is Drew making Natalie entirely to blame for something that isn't her fault? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that they just keep missing each other. You know, like, I think that... Maybe what Drew latches onto is if Natalie had just wanted to be in a relationship with him in the first place, then when Amy came to visit, you know, he just would have been like, oh, hi, Amy. It's great to see you. This is my girlfriend, Natalie. And, you know, he would never have kind of gotten back together with his old girlfriend at all, which is what made Natalie mad. So maybe he just is really fixated on the fact that like, well, she started it, you know, but they both hurt each other, I guess. And, um... I also think Natalie is allowed to change her mind. Like, I think that she probably didn't want a relationship. I, I get the feeling she maybe does now with Drew, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. I can't tell either. Yeah. Sarah, does any of this make sense to you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, just because I dropped in on this one episode, I didn't get to see the Natalie storyline yet. So that's one of those things that I'm now going to have to like go back and notice all of those little intricacies. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that they, they credited the actor for this episode, but she didn't even speak in it. Yeah. You just saw yeah. her pass by at one point. So yeah. they were not cluing in viewers on what had happened at all. <laughs> Did your college freshman son deal with these kinds of problems or was. <laughs> <laughs> 
he dealing more with like I'm away from home for the first time. And... I, I well, he's such a private person with his personal life, and um, yeah, he, he actually probably wouldn't say any a, of this to you, girlfriend. and you're probably great. Well, no, I know Zoe's mom, but no, but it's like I guess he started dating somebody in October. I mean, pretty exclusively, and we didn't really find out about her until like she came she came and stayed with us a little for the summer and she's wonderful we love her but it was kind of like what you have a girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) so private but I remember freshman year of college that was hard like finding your people and having that freedom and I don't know yeah yeah it's hard to figure out what you want yeah yeah with regards to Birdo saying you know you're putting this all on her and it's really on you I felt like they're kind of equally responsible yeah. for the bad timing, the mixed signals. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought it over and I was like, well, where Birdo is right, I think, is that he and Natalie didn't actually do anything wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. They're allowed to sleep together if they want to. Mm-hmm. Drew has no right to forbid them to do that. So I was like, the problem is not what they did. It's Drew's feelings about it, yeah. which are valid, but not necessarily anyone else's concern. It's like the only solution there, Drew, is that you need to get over that. Yeah. Or communicate it as you, as Birdo forced you to do. I'm upset about this. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. Well, would, okay. So would Birdo, should he have known though, that that would like, I would never sleep with a good friend's ex or someone who she was still having a complicated relationship with I would never sleep with that person unless I knew that it was so he did know so then you know he not cool he does say he he said I thought you were done with her yeah which is a gross thing Uh, to say yeah oh I know yeah yeah. yeah, my affection for Birdo has limits. I did not care for that. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is an interesting thing. Like, I think that might depend on what kind of person you are. Like, I think the way he saw it, like, oh, Drew's back with Amy. That must have been pretty casual with Natalie. We're all just, you know, I don't know. Like, maybe mm-hmm. he watched 90210 growing up and realized that that's just how, like, friends and dating works as you all date the same <laughs> pool of people um, as though there aren't thousands of people around you all the time. Um, I so. will say that I believe Berto when he says he's sorry. Yeah. And he immediately so stopped. I, yeah. like Yeah. And, and he told Natalie, you know, this is really bumming out my roommate Drew. <laughs> so I'm afraid we can't do it again. So maybe he's just not very bright. <laughs> Yeah. Like that he couldn't <laughs> foresee this happening, but once he was made aware of it, he understood and abided. Although, <laughs> although we found out in this episode that I guess he gets great grades without having to study. <laughs> although I totally know that I knew so many of those people at NYU who like clearly had good test scores and things because they were there, but their sort of common sense and mm. like interpersonal intuition was just. I was like, you're stupid, aren't you? Like, like you can take a test and you know if you can study, you get the answers right. But in just everyday life, whoa. Ugh. No one home. The lights are on. But... Oh, man. Well, yeah. speaking God. of the sexual carousel oh, my that Lord. some of these characters are on. I know where you're going now. Yeah. And wow. So Julia is like... A little bit on the prowl, it seems. 
Say you and Adam weren't together, for whatever reason. Is he dead? Uh, no, not necessarily. Oh, gay? Sure. Okay. Okay. That's... Okay. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Okay. You're not together. Could you be with someone else? Sexually, I mean, be with someone? Well, I mean, if you're saying hypothetically... Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right? That's normal. It's very normal. I feel like if you're with somebody for a long time, you know, you can't help but wonder what it would be like to be with somebody else. Right. I'm not saying I ever thought it like that. <laughs> Shut up. You know. Okay. It's good. Good. Okay. Well, because I it's have healthy. a date. You have a date? With who? I won't. That's amazing. Thank you. I mean, it's kind of amazing, but I'm also nervous. Okay. Well, what about Joel? Is he dating? I, I didn't don't know you guys so. were there yet. I don't. I know. I didn't know we were there yet either. But he made it pretty clear that he thinks we should basically be moving on. And so, who it is is the only person that's made me happy this year. It's Ed. You know. So why it's am I hiding that? Because he makes me happy. That's Ed. Yeah. I think Just that's, a terrible person. You're not a terrible person. You're a loving, giving, wonderful woman. You deserve to be happy. Okay. <laughs> just, just be a little careful. That's all. You know. What do you you don't want to do something that you might regret later. That's all. You're still married. Yeah. You know that. No, exactly. Exactly. Ed. Uh, okay. Thank you. I'm just heartbroken because I loved them as a couple. And so I just completely missed, like, what how happened? they broke. You know, like, how did that break? I don't know. It's so sad. It is sad. And now I'm like, will they get back together? Will they get back together? But you can't tell me that because that would you. spoil it. Yeah. 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 I won't. I'll try not to spoil anything for you. But I will say Ed played a part in it. Oh. And I think just hearing it now, I even had a, a realization I didn't. From watching the episode twice. Uh, don't get too excited because I think it's something I really should have noticed. <laughs> but I kept wondering, spoiler alert for the end of the episode, she sleeps with Evan. Yeah. But not Ed. Yeah. And I I figured I knew why, but I thought, why why one and not the other? Yeah. And I just figured it was, well, there's baggage, there's history, and, and there isn't with Evan. And one maybe feels like it has more writing on it, and one feels like just a fling. But hearing Christina's warning, because I thought Christina actually did a very good job of walking the line between being supportive and not, like, shaming Julia. Right. But also being cautious. Yeah. And hearing her say, don't do something you'll regret, I thought, it's not just that there's a lot riding on it. It's if there's any hope of you making your marriage work, Joel is not going to like knowing that you slept with Ed. In particular, yeah. In particular. Yeah. And I think that is not an unreasonable thing that he would not like. And I think if they ever did get back together, that would have to be divulged. Yeah. And it's like, do you want to try and clean up that mess ever? Or is it better to just avoid making it all together? And I think it's better. Yeah. And it's better to sleep with some kind of random person who, when you say it didn't mean yeah. anything... You can make that it. actually rings more true. That's well put. I remember the very it first. It would be so insightful. Yeah, so insightful. Oh. <laughs> yes, he is. I know. I know. He's great to do a podcast Both with. Both of you guys are. Aww. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you. 
You know, I remember the first time I watched this, and I don't mean for the podcast, but like, you know, 2014 or whatever, I like was shocked. I, I was just like, what the hell? Like when, when it cuts to her um, sleeping with Evan. Although now I'm like, how did I not see that coming a mile away? They forecast it like with all the longing looks and everything. But I think I just mm-hmm. was not expecting it at all. But I mean, I think I get it now. N- not what you said, Caleb. That I think is really, really insightful. I think that's it exactly. The question I put in my notes, let me pull those up for a second because I want to say it exactly. I wrote... Would Julia have slept with Ed instead of Evan if they'd gone to drinks like Julia had suggested instead of having like a fancy dinner at Ed's house like he suggested? And then when he gets all serious about like, I'm getting a third interview. And the first thing I thought was, I can't wait to tell Julia. Like I wanted to tell you. Was she like, oh, I can't do that. Like I thought it would be fun to sleep with someone because I'm lonely and sad. And Joel has made me feel bad about myself. Because I think I get that. I mean, I don't agree with it. I, I, I don't mean it in a shaming way, but I personally think that I would need lots and lots of space and time before I could sleep with someone else. Like, again, I think that would just be... I don't think I'd be like... Last episode, he was like, we're done. This episode, who do I sleep with? You know, I just... Yeah. yeah like, I mean, <laughs> I didn't quite understand the rush, I guess. Like, like, where is your, you know, again, eating a carton of ice cream face? But... Whatever. I, I did get that Ed was coming on so strong that that would freak her out. Like, oh, I don't want to go from one serious relationship into another one, which is what you're making me think this is. Yeah. She, and, and you use the word well, fling. And yeah, that's what she And means. that that is illuminating to me also, because I also wondered what's the rush. But I think it depends on what she's in a rush for. Mm. And so I think that's a good point. She is not in a rush to be in a new relationship. And I think with Ed, given all that's gone on between them, they kind of have to start not at zero. Yeah. They have to start a few steps down the line. Yeah. And I don't think that's where she wants to be. I think maybe she is, like you said, just feeling lonely, feeling undesired by Joel, certainly. Yeah. yeah. And maybe she just wants to feel desirable, have some fun, yeah. but not have to commit to anything. And... I at least understand that. Yeah. I also don't know if I would be the same way Mm -hmm. after a, what, 12-year marriage, 10-year marriage? Something like that, yeah. But it makes sense, at least. And it makes sense that you would not want more. Yeah. I was proud of her in that scene with Ed for speaking up as quickly as she did. Although I did oddly feel bad for Ed. (laughs) Oh, he thought this was the moment. But it would have been worse to have that conversation later. Yeah. It's like, as soon as you know, speak up. And I will say this is the last we see of Ed on Parenthood. Not nice knowing you, Ed. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I do wonder, though, like, I'm fascinated by this idea that if he had just played it a little differently, like she was planning on sleeping with him. We know that from our conversation with Christina. If he had just not gotten serious at the end there, they probably would have. And then who knows? Like maybe she still would have had that revelation and left. But maybe, you know, sometimes people feel bonded to a person after physical intimacy. And maybe then she would just double down, like, you know, she learned to do from Sarah. I don't know. Like, just like, like, just like, now I'm with Hank, I guess. Like, anyway, that's sorry. Um, And so, yeah, I just... That's an interesting (laughs) thought, because you would think from Ed's point of view, 
that going the like sincere sort of relationship route yeah. is probably more respectful. Yeah. And you would think like, oh, if I'm trying to make something happen here, appeal to the stable, sincere side of things, not the loose, light, casual. But I, I think you're right. Maybe it would have worked <laughs> for him yeah, <laughs> if he had taken the opposite approach. Yeah. Because I did think, I mean, obviously, as she did, too, as soon as he said, let's do it at my place. I'm like, oh, you want to sleep together. Right, right. That's why you cook someone dinner in your house. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only reason. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's usually the reason. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is maybe a ridiculous thing to say, but am I right? Do you think it's fair to say that the actor playing Evan is more traditionally handsome than the actor playing Ed? I think so. Um, yeah, I guess so. I I'm just throwing that out there because I did think the most interesting thing about Julia and Ed was that it was primarily like her attraction to him, I think, was more like cerebral and like like making each other laugh and bonding over shared experiences and then it is sort of funny that after all that she just kind of sleeps with a, like a random hot dude i guess like it's like all right i don't know <laughs> so, kind of interesting now i did have a moment when they hook up at the end feeling like boy these are not the actions of a woman who wants to save her marriage but then i thought well, that's pretty judgy, isn't it? I mean, Joel told her last episode, yeah. if you're going to force me to say, yeah, I think we should move on. Yeah. Which I suppose you could take as permission. But I just thought, mm, you're going to take him at his word? <laughs> Especially when she pressed. Yeah. He wanted to not say. Yeah. He wanted, what he was saying is, I need more time to figure out where we are. And she said, you don't have more time. You have to say now. And so he said, okay, under duress, we're done. You should move on. So I, I don't know. She didn't do anything wrong. But she, like Christina said, she is still married. And last episode, when Sarah pressed Julia, what do you want? Julia said, I want my marriage back. Well, this doesn't <laughs> seem like how you do it. I, I don't know. I mean, it could be for her a test of if she liked it then she'd be like okay I can see myself moving on if she realized mm. after that situation that no I do want to go you know like it could be one, sort of a test for herself not necessarily consciously but like subconsciously like to see if if it's worth working on the marriage or if no I'd be fine not working on it you know I love yeah. that I, know. I never even thought of that that's really good I yeah that makes a little more sense to me because the best I could come up with is just how fascinating I think it is, not just on TV, but in life, too, how, how different people are. Like, when I say I couldn't imagine sleeping with someone so soon after, like, a divorce or separation, I know lots of people who do sleep with someone, like, almost immediately, very similar to what Julia just did. And I think that's just preference right like comfort level like some people I think I don't know and and I don't think that like one person is right and one person is wrong I think it's just yeah like what are you okay with and I think if I were still in love with someone else it would be very hard for me to sleep with someone but th then again I would probably just be real sad for a long time until I healed and a lot of other people are more of the like opinion of 
if I'm with someone else, even just a fling, that will help me heal. Like I, that, that will take away some of my sadness and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I guess I'm like, I don't think I'm a glutton for punishment or anything. I just think you have to like live in the sadness to move on through the sadness. And some people are like, I would like a distraction from my sadness, please. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> both things make sense. They, they do. So I don't know. Also, my separation is like hypothetical. So I'm just saying what I think I would do. You know, I'm married and I'm happy. So who the hell am I to say? Like, that's mean. You know, like, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I would feel differently if I felt like Julia and felt really low like that. So Would we feel differently if we knew that Joel was sleeping with other people? Good question. Because mm-hmm. I thought... If Joel were somewhere sleeping with someone also in this episode, I wouldn't feel better because I'd be like, God, it's really over. Yeah. But I wouldn't be like, "Uh oh, Julia, now you'll never get your marriage back. Yeah. I would think, oh, he meant it and he's doing the same. Yeah. I think instead I just keep thinking things like, here's more evidence that you don't deserve Joel. And that's terrible. I should <laughs> No, I just... no, but I, it's, and it's more substantive than that. I okay. think. It's worse because we know he's not doing that. Yeah. And it makes me think, well, what is he doing? He is being alone. He is solitary and he is reflecting on where he has arrived in life and in this relationship. Yes. And Julia, in such a rush to be with other people, that feels like further signs that she is not doing any of that reflecting. Yeah. And I think she needs to more than he does. Yes. I and agree. I, just, I just think, oh, you are not <laughs> focusing on the problem and you're looking for a distraction when the last thing you need is a distraction from what you should be thinking about. Because <laughs> I think he would take her back if she did that reflection. Yep. That's it. That's it. Exactly. And she's just like insistent uh, on not doing it. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, Sarah, it blew my uh. mind. In the last episode, she was basically like, are we working on getting back together or are we seeing other people? Like, like those were the only two options yeah. ever. I was like, where's option three. We are taking time apart. Yeah. Yeah. To right, reflect. Right. Yeah. And think. Yeah. Maybe she's a catastrophizer because mm. I, I, maybe that was prompted by the fact that she thought he was dating Pete. Yeah. He wasn't at all. But if she, Wait, thought, she thought that. she thought he was dating who? Uh, Pete, his boss, who is a woman. I was just going to mention that because you oh, haven't okay. met Pete yet. I, I thought it sounded like he was dating a male. <laughs> like, <laughs> Joel is oh, going wait, through something. What? Okay, that's <laughs> a deal breaker. <laughs> Caleb's like, that is a good plot twist. <laughs> Jason Kadem said there would like, be a gay wow, character in season five. And it was Joel. <laughs> oh, man. You're like, I just, I'm, I'm a few episodes behind. What have I missed? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think she. She was so fixated on he must be dating. And so she goes right to these are the two options. Yeah. It's like, Julia, if you would, again, take some time and think through your feelings, you might realize that you are jumping to conclusions. Yeah. <sighs> and I just so, keep... and maybe that fueled her. Yeah. Well, he's doing it. I'm going to do it, too. She's very competitive. <laughs> I don't know. That's true. Yeah. But I just keep yeah. thinking back to that season two like speech that Joel gave her where he was like I will never cheat on you and to be fair I think at this point when you're separated like that I don't I don't think it's actually like I don't think it's cheating I just think it's think they're on a break oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just think it's ill-advised if your ultimate goal, like if she didn't want to get back together with Joel, by all means. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. but she does. Yeah. So it, yeah, it just seems like, why are you doing this then? But I don't know. Yeah. But then I, I, yeah. and then I'm like, if, if I do in fact sound judgy, maybe it means I am judgy. And then I wonder, is that bad? Like, you know, is it, it might be, I, I try not to be judgmental, but sometimes I'm like, don't we all have judgments sometimes? I don't think she's a bad person. I, my judgment isn't like to shame her or anything. I just think she's maybe using poor judgment in not doing the thing that's going to get her what she wants truly and looking for that distraction, like you said. So anyway. That's where I felt like Christina gave such good advice. Because mm-hmm. when Julia says, I'm a terrible person, I thought Christina was right to say, no, you're not. Yeah, she's not. You're a good person and you deserve to be happy. I agree with that. Me too. But I also thought it was very good to tell her, don't do something that you will regret Yeah. later. Yeah. Not something that I think is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Something that you can't undo. Yeah. Well like, put. That is very well put, Christina. I like them together. Yeah. yeah. And we should say the other prong of that storyline is that they were together because Christina wanted her help for their charter school application. And I loved how Julia just lit up being asked to do something professional. Mm -hmm. And even though I thought this episode in a lot of ways was full of some cliches about, especially about people's jobs, Mm -hmm. like we'll get to Ashes of Rome and 4D (laughs) in in a minute. But in this one, the way Julia's like, I've got four binders for all of us at this meeting. You guys need FaceTime. Ooh, that's a business person term (laughs) and just a lot of what she was saying it's like they're laying this on very thick aren't they can't she be a good lawyer and still speak like she does 90 percent of the time on this show yeah (laughs) but anyway i still liked seeing her in that mode that she hasn't been in in a while me too well and two nitpicky things about the teaching side i was like all right, Evan, do you have to like call out? I'm just a teacher. I'm not cool enough to be at this party. I'm like, (laughs) calm down. We're fine. I don't know. And then um, the other thing, I thought that the board meeting was very strange. I Then I thought, well, I actually don't know what board meetings are like outside of the two places where I've worked. But where I work, board meetings are public. And they're televised. That's what I thought. Yeah, and you have a big crowd and you just wait your turn. This felt like a private, intimate meeting, not an actual board meeting. Like, I, I was just like, yeah. that's different from, you, you would you would get like 10 minutes max out of like a two-hour agenda or something and you would wait your turn mm-hmm. and there would be like 100 people in that room with you or maybe not 100, but a lot. Yeah. That felt weird yeah. to me. And I felt it was odd that she kind of jumped right to threats. <laughs> like, if you turn me down, right, I'll just right. apply over and over and over again. I love paperwork. I was a corporate lawyer and I love paperwork. There's another cliche about lawyers. <laughs> yeah, it was just so like, <laughs> now nah, you've done it, Julia. You've browbeaten them into approving the school. I don't know. I, I will say I, had, I looked up SELPA. She said, oh, they'll be eligible for SELPA funds. The acronym SELPA stands for Special Education Local Plan Area. And this was a statewide plan in California that was adopted in 1974 to equalize educational opportunities for disabled students of California. 
The plan required that all school districts and county offices of education join together in geographical regions in order to develop a regional special education service delivery system. Each region must provide the full continuum of services for children and youth residing within the region boundaries. To become a member of SELPA, the applying charter organization must apply for membership in that SELPA and be deemed a local education agency for purposes of special education. This process requires the charter school to demonstrate its ability to serve the full continuum of special education services, as well as assume the full liability for students served in the charter school. Okay. So there you go. At least when Evan quits his (laughs) steady job to be their headmaster, I guess he's getting paid. (laughs) That was I appreciated (laughs) that they referred to something like that without explaining what it was. Yeah. Because we had context clues. So I didn't know that SELPA was all those things, but I could tell in the meeting, oh, this is some special government thing, it sounds like, that one can qualify for or not qualify for. And they do qualify for it. Great. Yeah. Not like when Adam and Crosby get called about 4D and they go, 4D, the boy band? <laughs> no, the dimension. <laughs> I- <laughs> the other profession that i thought was portrayed in a very cliched way was the music profession now this is an area of music far away from the music i'm in so maybe this is all real but like the guy entering the party with the sunglasses at the end (laughs) and just the way he talked over the phone mark was like that guy sounds like donald trump that's that was his comment it's like cartoonish yeah Yeah. and i don't know maybe that's maybe that's the way it is i don't know oliver is touched by the age-old dilemma of art versus commerce am i gonna be the only one to address this big elephant in the room which is which is four little douchebags with skinny ties cocker spaniel haircuts we're not opening for a 12-year-old named Chad Love. Yeah, Your name proud. is Oliver Rome. You're going to be playing to more people than you could have ever possibly played to on your own, and you're upset. So these are all seated shows, right? Yeah. Butts in seats. Right. That means they only show up for the headliner. So here we are, a bunch of toolboxes playing to an empty, giant room with maybe a couple fan club kids going, who are these guys? Yeah. I don't Making care. Making more money than you've I'm ever taking... made in your life. I'll I'm, tell you I one thing. I don't want to sacrifice any sort of artistic credibility that we even have right now, which is very small, Listen, just to sail away on a big ship made out of money. Hey, Arcade Fire, they didn't call. Radiohead, they're not calling. Here's your option, and it's a we're, damn good one. This is your big money cow that you guys want to take in and just praise. We're not going to make the dough for hey, you. All, we're not doing this tour. Listen, we are doing this tour. It's ours. Guys, we're doing this tour, right? So, Sarah, you've been a professional musician for over 20 years. And I'm sure, like, yeah. you have not always thought every gig you were doing was artistic or high art. Yeah, of course. How much does yeah. that bother you? Or does it factor into what kind of jobs you take? Or does it depend on, well, this month I need the paycheck? Or what What say you about this art versus commerce? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Well, I could ask you the same question, Caleb. I mean, I think we all just the practical side of us, you know, we all have to do stuff to make money here and there. But I don't know, I think you can still find your art, too. But it sounds like he's really worried about his reputation or some kind of a 
You know what I mean? It seems like he's just so full of himself. Have you ever worried about what people will think of you if they know, oh, she's playing cello for that piece of garbage show or something? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not a big ego person, you know, and I've been lucky that I've gone through some really great stuff, but I've also done sort of schlocky stuff, but I don't I don't know as long as I do a good job, like I don't really care if people think it's not cool or whatever but I mean I'm not a rock star either so I don't know what about you Caleb well I just want to say I think this reveals the biggest difference between you and Oliver which is (laughs) ego yeah (laughs) because I was thinking like you have to I think you have to disregard what other people think or their perception of your work Mm -hmm. and do what you think is good and be happy with it I mean of course like to thine own self be true if you really if your conscience tells you, I I don't want to do this, it's not what I'm interested in, then don't do it. And I think a lot of people, I I think the idea of not doing something purely for money is in general, a good guiding principle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, but I think that's not why most musicians of any kind pursue it as a living. That's not an easy way to make a lot of money to be a musician. So you got to be doing it for some other reason than money. But I also think doing something for money is not a bad reason. No. Got to eat. Right. Well, but also it's not like it's not like he'd be doing different music for the money. He'd be still playing his music. And yeah. I mean, it's just he would be playing his music his way. It just he'd be playing it to an audience of people who might not have heard it before. But he just doesn't want to feel like he's in any way associated with the boy band guys but but what's silly about that is like if he's staying true to his own art he can still do his art like what you're saying I mean it's just kind of you know he doesn't have to change himself just because he's playing on somebody else's tour I don't know or maybe he does I don't know do they do that do they tell them to play different music I mean they but I'm sure they don't right I mean that you just play your stuff I mean maybe but in this episode they specifically said that they liked their songs and that's why they wanted right. them to right. open for them right. and that was the point they made like you're doing your own stuff yeah I think it's it's also something where I think if you've never done it before at all try it and yeah. see and maybe right. you realize oh, I hate being an opening act. I hate playing for an audience that is not there to see me. Because I can imagine that would be hard. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, for no sure. one here. They're just trying to get through me so they can see 4D. That's why they're here. Yeah, That right. might not feel good. But I say try it. And then if you find out you don't like that, don't ever do it again. Yeah. Right. And the audience may wind up thinking you're amazing and then buy all your records too. You know, you don't know. And certainly some people are going to think that. Yeah. I feel like there might be a difference between art versus commerce. I think that for Oliver, he thinks it's like a matter of integrity. And I guess I would like define integrity differently because I think opening for a boy band, I, I think there is integrity in that. It's honest work. You're playing your own music, as you both pointed out. I would think integrity would be an issue of like, I don't know, doing like working for like, like selling cigarettes or something, you know, like that. I would be like, ooh, if that paid really well, would I want to do something that I was like actively against, you know, like that's like compromised your morals. Right, right. 
And I think yeah. that to Oliver, like being cool is such a, like, I mean, I use sarcastic quote marks because I don't actually think he's that cool, but, but I think he thinks he's cool and, or wants to be cool. And it's such a part of his identity that it like weirdly becomes like his moral code. Like if something goes against his coolness, then it's not authentic. And then it's a matter of integrity. And I just think that's very interesting because like to hear the two of you talk, I think that you both sound much, much cooler than Oliver Rome, even though like Sarah, you kept saying, well, I'm not a rock star. And I just wanted to say like, but you're much cooler than he is because he's all wrapped up in whether or not he's cool and you're not. The true mark of cool is not being all wrapped up in it, you know, like not worrying Although what people I think. Although I guess be, not being a rock star though has its own security in that his ability to make a living might depend Ooh, way yeah. more on people's perception of him being cool than me or Sarah. No one's huh. going to be like, I'm not going to that show. That cellist isn't cool enough. <laughs> but people might say, I'm not going to go see Ashes of Rome. That's a boy band group. Yeah, that's a good Which point. Which it isn't at all. But right. anyway, so just to give him a little bit, of, I still think it's ridiculous. It's also ridiculous that what brings him around is, oh, there's girls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, I right? Mean, it's like suddenly integrity and schmegrity. Right. They're girls. I'm going to go on tour with them. And it didn't, like, occur to him that a boy band would have, like, female friends, like, fans and, like, followers? <laughs> so you oh never heard of NSYNC? I don't get it. I don't know. Just I was also confused about exactly how the luncheonette stood to profit from Ashes of Rome touring. I just kept thinking, like, well, the Luncheonette is a recording studio, and they produced the record as well. But the label, right? They, like, created a label. and, and Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay, you may have just answered it for me, which is stupid. No. But I was like, they're not agents or managers. Why are they booking the group or negotiating deals? I was just very confused. Like, we'll have to check their schedule. I'm like, you're not in charge of their schedule. No. Although they are the label. I forgot But I think that. it's a very underdeveloped storyline. Like, if it is a label, what is the label called? Like, I, you know, like, I feel like they threw it out there and yeah. they've barely done anything with it. Their sole client seems to be Ashes of Rome. We're not getting guest spots by, like, CeeLo Green anymore, you know? We're not, we're not getting anybody else coming <laughs> in. There's no Lily, you know, dropping by, playing the cello. That's like... All they do is hang out with this pretentious douchebag all day long. It's just Crosby's personal hell and I think karma. You know, it's just perfect because I've long said I think they're the same person. Yeah, Crosby's boy band is the minivan. Yeah, you know, exactly. The same I'm not cool. I'm too cool to have that. Yeah, and also Crosby keeps acting like, you know what? Oliver, like someday you're going to need a little cash in the kitty or whatever dumb thing he says. And I just kept thinking... They're really glossing over the fact that they owe like $14,000 for floors. It's all Crosby's fault. Like, <laughs> like Jasmine was all like, let's call about this stain on the ceiling. And Crosby's like, we don't need to do that. And like, they've been displaced from their home for months. <laughs> it's going to cost $14,000 for the mold on, or the floors on top of whatever they paid for the mold. And I just want to point out that 
the way that Jasmine's like, what are you going to do? Like just shrugs. I'm like, they should be mining this for a lot more. (laughs) They should be like, (laughs) she should be like considering divorce because money is the number one cause of divorce. Right. Like, and like he is costing them a fortune and just acting like like, it's like, they're just acting like the mold came from the sky instead of like from Crosby, not calling the place. I don't know. Just saying. I don't know quite how mold works. I didn't Google that. (laughs) Maybe by the time there's a spot on the ceiling, it's like, it's already in your floor. You might be right, but I'm specifically just thinking about the fact that Jasmine wanted to call and he let months go by and like, and, and like that. And also didn't Crosby remodel that whole house? I I just thinking like Crosby, didn't you probably put in the floors? Maybe you should have had someone inspect for mold then before you covered it up. (laughs) Or maybe that's on Joel, because Joel really built the house for him. That's true. No, (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, maybe, you know, I think we're just supposed to look at it as things happen. And that is true. Like, you know, we just had like a leak in our pipe that's under the yard, you know, and we had to get that replaced. And then they like dug up the yard. It was very expensive. But like, that was so clearly no one's fault like you know in fact mark noticed it way sooner than i ever would have because our water bills were ginormous because we had this huge like leak and so he was just like on top of things and i think sometimes i'm just a little frustrated with crosby because i'm like he's so concerned with like being a man and being cool and i'm like well to do that you actually like take care of yourself and your family instead of just like putting shit off and acting like your wife's mm. a nag and you know, I don't know. And that's kind of been his whole thing this whole season. And it's really annoying. I'm like, mm. if the second mm. he noticed it, he should have been like, I will take care of this. Or if Jasmine was like, let's take care of this, let her take care of it. Like just mm-hmm. anyway, it's yeah. a small thing, but it really bothered me because they're just acting like these things happen and they do, but this felt preventable. So whatever I'm nitpicking. That's fine. <laughs> Well, while parenthood sometimes gets professions very wrong, teachers and cellists come to mind. (laughs) I don't know much about therapists. I mean, my dad was a therapist for many years, but... So you know some. I I didn't get to, like, go watch him work, you know. (laughs) Uh, I feel like the way Dr. Whipperwill is portrayed (laughs) is pretty good. You're wondering why you and Sarah aren't together. Yeah, I mean, we've been spending a lot of time together, and, and, and we're getting along, and last time was a timing thing, and now everything is free and clear. Huh. Why don't you tell me more about the breakup? It's just, uh, just bad timing, that's all. She was engaged, and we had a thing. Mm-hmm. They broke up, and uh, then I had to move to Minnesota. To be with your daughter? Yeah. And that blew up, so I came back. So when you moved to Minnesota to be with your daughter, you had just started your relationship with Sarah. Did you talk to her about the move? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I told her about it. Hmm. It sounds like she made a big decision for you, breaking up with her fiancé, and then you left. Yeah, but, I mean, she's a mom. Mm-hmm. She understood. Do you think it's possible that she understood, but she was still upset? No. No, it wasn't like that. In our work here, you may start questioning some things that you previously took as truths. 
that's part of the process. I think you should reach out to Sarah. I think you should reach out to her and try to understand her point of view. If you want to make some progress in the relationship, maybe you owe her an apology first. It's funny, I'm thinking now about things my dad would say about therapy. And one of the big ones was always, a therapist is not there to give advice because advice might not work. Mm. And then you lose all credibility to the patient. You're there to guide their thinking, help them notice the own patterns in their behavior and what results from it. And I was going to say, that's what I thought Dr. Pelican did so well. He was saying, do you think this could be possible? And then when he says no, softly challenge that. But then at the end, he said, I think you should give an apology. Like, well, that's advice. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but it felt like it was framed in a nice way of, I'm hearing you say that you haven't perhaps considered her point of view in this. And I am recommending that you try. That's good. Yeah. I think Hank might require a little extra <laughs> pushing. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I was going to say, though, I don't think I've ever disagreed with something Dr. Pelican has said. It's never I been haven't. like, well, this is horrible. This is what they think therapists mm-hmm. do. He's great as like a voice of reason for the audience. I yeah. feel like he's often there saying what the viewer is like, oh, my God, Hank, <laughs> think about what you did to Sarah. <laughs> I also mm-hmm. love the deep callback of reflecting on what happened in the finale of the last season. Like, yeah. Sarah, you're not to the end of season four yet, right? No, I'm almost there. I'm so close. So, so close. yeah, you you haven't even gotten to what they're talking about, but it's more than a season before this. And it's like, yes, yes, we de- we never really did resolve that. I am curious, like, what are you, what are your thoughts just where you are? And then, you know, this episode too on Hank and Sarah and you know, Mark and that whole situation. Cause that's oh newly, gosh. you know, Mark was just in the last episode right. actually. So like, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Well, I really liked Mark. I liked him a lot. And, um, yeah. and I was sort of sad when they, when it didn't work out for them. And then the Hank thing, I haven't been won over by Hank yet where I'm at so far. He just seems, I honestly don't totally understand Sarah's attraction to him yet but maybe he will win me over but i don't know what about you guys what do you think i feel bad i'm like so not objective about it i i i thought mark was fantastic and my memory was that i liked hank as well in the past but this watch uh, i like hank, i like ray romano's performance a lot i'm very mm-hmm. impressed by him mm-hmm. but the character himself i'm like and i he's endearing at, at moments and everything but I, yeah I, I just don't get yeah. why like you would ever pick him over like yeah yeah right right exactly (laughs) yeah i just don't i don't same yeah i gotta say i basically agree because my memory was that i i liked hank and i don't dislike him i just feel like sarah's in a way settling Mm -hmm. even mark aside like if if you go with the notion of okay well things blew up with mark and she can't undo that and mark's happy now that ship has sailed. Yeah. She was with another guy this season. It never got super serious, but it could have. Yeah. And she had this weird, like, no, 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 no. I can't date this guy. He was like a doctor and he was very handsome. He was her own age. I'm thinking now about when she is saying, this is going to be the year of Sarah. I'm going to meet a guy who's age appropriate and not 
what does she say? Because it's like in reference to Hank, not emotionally unavailable or something. Yeah. And realizing now she's describing Carl. Yeah. And then that very guy <laughs> shows up and is enamored with her, and she's like, "This can't happen." <laughs> yes. And secretly, it's... it's because she's actually hung up on Hank, and I just think, why? What is it? And and we've talked a lot about. We feel like she's accepting the love she thinks she deserves, and I think she thinks taking care of people who don't know how to take care of themselves is real love. That's what she did with her ex-husband. And that just makes me really sad. I think take care of someone who can take care of themselves and then you can take care Mm -hmm. of each other Yes, and Mm -hmm. have a full, happy life. Don't be with someone who's going to make you be their caretaker. Yeah. But it's true. He has a lot of redeeming qualities and him working on improving himself is a major one of them. Yeah. And I do think Hank is worthy of love. You know, I'm, I'm happy for him if all this stuff with Sarah pans out, but I'm not as happy for her. Yeah. This, (laughs) this is, this is what I wrote. I wrote like if, and you know, no spoilers here. So I'm not, I'm not saying this is the case, but I'm saying Right now, at least, they seem to be heading towards a reunion, or at least that's what they're implying. And I think, you know, especially with that whole thing I said earlier about maybe they thought season five would be the end, you know. And so if that were the case, then they would be like ending up together. And I just wrote in my notes that I think, I keep thinking that this is not a happy ending for Sarah. It is for Hank, but not for her. And I think similarly, maybe if she and Mark had ended up together, I think that might have been a happy ending for Sarah, but or for Sarah, but not ultimately for Mark, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, I think it's probably <laughs> Mark's probably better off with someone less complicated, I think, like maybe just like just knows what they want and, and they want the same things as, as Mark does. But yeah, I don't know if I, I said it in a kind of convoluted way. But yeah, that's that's what I just keep thinking. Like, this will be a happy ending for Hank. But is it a happy ending for Sarah? That I don't know. There were some great scenes between them in this episode. And we've evaluated a good number of apologies here on Parenthood Pals. Yes, we have. But I thought, boy, this one was a real doozy. I don't know your apology. Anything, right? For what? Yeah. No, I, I mean, exactly right. I mean, you're not mad at me, right? I don't know. Should I be? All right. Yesterday, I was talking to Dr. Pelican, and he said that he thinks I owe you an apology for when I went to Minnesota. Hmm. What does that mean? Look, uh, do you owe me an apology? I don't know, but I was definitely hurt and confused and upset. Well, not really, though, right? No, I wasn't. No, you. I, I, I told you no, no. why. I you told just... you why I was going, and you, you understood why, because you're a mom, and you understood why I was going. Right? I'm going to see my daughter. I'm telling you how I daughter. was feeling. Of course, I understood, but I also felt hurt and confused. But now you're telling me. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't feel that way. I don't know what I could have done. I don't know. Uh, I was I, asking you about what you could have done. I, you just said you wanted to talk about it, so I'm telling you how I felt, not what you could have done. I. I had broken up with Mark, and I thought we were going to be together. And then, out of nowhere, no discussion. You just you announced that it was, you were moving. It was a little more complicated than that. It wasn't out of nowhere. It was, you know, there were issues. There were things. Well, we never talked about it. Fine. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, look, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, I had to go to Minnesota to be with my daughter, who I was afraid of losing. So, there. I'm sorry, then. Okay. The tension in that conflict, I thought, felt so real and sort of exciting and dangerous also. And her reaction, I thought, felt really honest. And I think what I loved most about it is that she was prepared to never get an apology like this from him. And it seems like she wasn't bitter or holding a grudge about it. She was really giving him the benefit of the doubt and had forgiven him, it seemed like. But when he brought it up... yeah. She also wasn't going to lie about it. Right. So it didn't feel like she was trying to pin him or corner him. She was just answering him and saying, I'm not mad at you about this, but since you asked, yes, I was hurt and confused. And I just thought she is granting so much grace to him. And also I felt like standing up for herself in a way that I thought was more than respectful of him and had self-respect in it. Absolutely. I totally agree. And now I just keep thinking about um, our Sarah here uh, on the show with us <laughs> and how interesting it will be for you when you get there, like having this conversation in oh, yeah. mind, like you'll, <laughs> yeah, you'll, yeah, yeah, you'll have yeah. a whole other context. Like they're not going to deal mm-hmm. with this for a long time. Um, that's interesting. Uh, because yeah, mm-hmm. I had forgotten completely that they sort of revisited this and now that, now that they are revisiting it, I'm so glad because I'm like, that is what it would take. I think if they're if if they are going to get back together, you have to make that right first, I think, because that was kind of a betrayal. I mean, I thought it was interesting that even Sarah said um, I had broken up with Mark because last episode we sort of clarified, not really. He broke up with you and then you didn't take him back, you know, but Essentially, I think she just means mm-hmm. I had chosen you over Mark, which yeah. is true. And that would be really upsetting to do that. And in that speech, say, I've got to get my life together. I'm going to make it work with Hank. And then for Hank to just sort of pull the rug out from under her like he did. And maybe maybe it's a happier ending for Sarah if I can contextualize it because I just kept thinking this whole season, she doesn't seem interested in Hank to me at all. It seems like she was last season and this season she seems over him. But maybe it's more that she just didn't see Hank as a possibility anymore because he is a person who pulled the rug out from under her. She had made her choice and he proved unreliable and she just stopped thinking of him that way. But maybe if he could be a person who can dig deeply and actually realize that he hurt her maybe i i don't know but of course then you get that (laughs) apology and that's not gonna make you think that he can do it but you know it's not the only apology we get so okay there there you he was so great in that though too not great his conduct but it was a great depiction of i think the stages that we all go through when we feel called out on something. Mm. At first, you're defensive. Well, you weren't upset, right? You understood. Oh, okay, okay, fine. I'm sorry that I had to go be with my daughter and that I had to do what was... It's like, okay, yeah, you said the words I'm sorry, but you're still justifying it. And that Sarah was... She was so great at the way she said, I'm not asking you to justify it. I understood, but this was the impact, you know, intention versus impact. There was an impact to what you did. And here's what it is. I'm not saying you're a bad person because you did that, but we never talked about it. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that endears me to Hank 
that he pushed through that. And it also makes me think Dr. Pelican is a good therapist because in that second scene where he says, Sarah's not mad at you because of me. She's mad at you because of you. Yeah. You're just upset and your porcupine needles are up. And so you're, you want to blame me, but that's not the problem. You did something and it had consequences. Yep. That watching him grapple with the ramifications of potentially this neurological thing that he can't, well, he can control it in some ways, but in some ways he can't. It is just yeah. how he is. Yeah. That is really compelling. I also, though, feel like it's maybe a little bit of a double-edged sword. Because there were multiple Hank Pelican scenes, I found myself wondering, how much time are we going to spend watching this show with no Bravermans in a scene? I was like, has the show veered too far off course? I'm not sure I actually care about Hank this much. I was like, at least they're discussing another Braverman. They're always talking about Sarah in those scenes. True. And I was oddly satisfied that someone was sticking up for Sarah. Yeah. It's Dr. Pelican, but it's nice to hear someone say like, you did her wrong. But I also just had a little nagging feeling of like, this is not what the show was in like season one. Yeah. In maybe a bad way. Like we've stumbled onto this ancillary character who's so interesting that we're just going to shift to that. Like, but, but that's not parenthood. That's not what the show is. Go that's back a, over here. I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, and I'm a little, I guess, resentful that we're getting this much of Hank's inner life when we never get this much of Jasmine's inner life or Joel's inner life. A little bit, I think, Christina, we do. But I'm like, those Bravermans have been around forever. And, you know, Joel is going through something really interesting and important. It would be nice to see him talking to someone about the end of his marriage. And, you know, yeah. like, it, it, or, or Jasmine, we talked a few episodes back, like, her interactions with her mother and her family. And, and her spiritual evolution. Yeah. Is she frustrated with Crosby like I am? <laughs> She's married to him. I don't know. You know? And yeah, I just, I guess that maybe is the thing. Because of course, it makes sense. Ray Romano really is, I mean, knocking it out of the park. Like, yeah. I don't think I even realized what a good actor Ray Romano was until he was in this role. And then I'm like, oh, wow, he's phenomenal. I, so I get it. But at the same time, yeah, it's a little frustrating because... He's relatively new. I mean, he's only been on since season four. And there are other characters who we know nothing about. <laughs> and and we, yeah, like, I mean, we've never met anyone else in Joel's family, um, like, you know, his nuclear family. And yet we've met Hank's daughter and his ex-wife. And it, it, yeah, it, it, that is a little annoying now that you mention it, Caleb. <laughs> Sarah, were you surprised when you watched this episode that Hank was even still around? I kind of was a little because he seems so problem. He where I've met where, where I'm up to, he just seems so problematic mm-hmm. and so inaccessible. And I don't know. Yeah, I just was. I, I was very surprised. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, he did have a second apology. And it was practically a monologue. And speaking of Ray Romano hitting it out of the park, this scene made me tear up. I messed up. Listen, I'm, I'm sorry that I moved out on you. I, I, I really, uh, I'm sorry about how you felt about it too. Uh, Thank you, it's okay. Well, it's... you were right though. It was just a crappy thing to do. And um, Look, it's in the past. Yeah, yeah. I just wanna say something else too. Uh, I don't know how to say this, so just 
Bear with me for one second. You know, I've messed up. I messed up in my life a lot. But, uh, you know, working with Pelican and uh, maybe it's Asperger's, maybe it's not, I don't know. The bottom line is I push people away. People get close to me and I just, uh, uh, I start acting like a jackass around them. And I just uh, eventually, I just, I wear them down and they go away. You know, I hate that. I hate that about myself. But uh, 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 I'm trying to change. I'm trying to get, I'm trying hard. Because when I look at you, I see a beautiful woman, a beautiful woman. And despite everything I've done, despite all the, the crap that I've pulled, and, and stupid things that I've said. You're still here. You're, you didn't uh, leave. And that's uh, shocking to me, you know? Just gives me hope. You know, you didn't go away. I don't wanna push you away. I, I like being around you too much. Oh, you don't gotta respond to that. That's, uh, yeah, that's, I just, that's what I wanna talk about. All right, I'll see you, see you tomorrow, I guess, right? I mean, that was pretty terrific, yeah. Yeah, that was great. And he's so great, this Melissa, what you said, but as an actor, too, he's so believable. It's really good. Yeah, he's not too articulate, and yet still gets very complex ideas across in a way that doesn't feel like, wow, someone wrote this for you. Yeah. Nope. That right. felt extremely right. yeah. off the cuff. It reminded me of a time earlier this season when he apologized to Sarah and he sort of did it with exactly the script that Dr. Pelican had given him. Oh, yeah. And she sort of criticized him. She's like, what are you doing? Just talk to me like a normal person. Yeah. And I was a little upset with Sarah then. I was like, he's trying so hard and maybe he needs a script right now. And it's not helping him that you're poo-pooing that. But I contrasted that with this. And yeah. I thought, this sounded so from his heart. Yeah. And it still wasn't articulate. But I love that even he said, I don't know how to say this, so please bear with me. I'm like, that's great. Yeah. And I felt like he really kind of he hit every step of it. He did say, like, I'm sorry for how you felt. But before that, he apologized for what he actually did. Yeah. And a lot of times people say, mm-hmm. oh, hey, okay, 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 I'm sorry that you were offended. Right. No, that's not what yeah, I was yeah. asking for. Yeah, but yeah, I thought yeah. both is okay. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry I did this thing, and I'm sorry that you felt so bad about it. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. And just him saying, I'm trying, I'm trying hard. It also reminded me of something my uncle Lyle, previous guest, said about the best relationships are the ones where each person thinks they're getting the better end of the deal. Yeah. Like we just said, this could be a happy ending for him, but maybe not so much for her. At least he realizes that. Yeah. (laughs) Because he says, I've been not very good to you and you're still here. I push people away and you refuse to be pushed away. It's sort of like the, as good as it gets, you make me want to be a better man (laughs) speech. Like I realize that I don't deserve you still being here. But you are here, so maybe now I can try and deserve it a little more. Like, well, the fact that you even notice that earns you points that in my book. That is something. That's yeah. very well put. Her look after he left was also 
kind of hilarious. It was, it was like, she, like a tornado had just blown through. Was like, what? What's that? What is happening? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I just keep thinking like, do I expect too much of Hank? Like, am I being unfair by like pointing out that, you know, along with you and, and you know, that she seems to think that love is about needing to, you know, fix a person and comparing him to Seth. Maybe that's unfair looking at people who seem to have it more together and wondering why she doesn't choose that route. Maybe, maybe all that's unfair and maybe that's not really, you know, what love really is, is choosing the most practical, you know, person. But I, I do think there's something to it. I'm, I'm glad he made the comment, like, I don't always treat you right or I don't treat you well because that's what I object to. I don't object to the things that Crosby said in that one episode where he didn't want to play like poker with him, like that he can be like strange or, or, you know, not, not great socially. I'm like, Hey, that, that happens. But like the way that he prioritizes himself and his needs and wants over hers and doesn't treat her that well, that is the problem. And so for him to, like you said, Caleb, like acknowledge that that is a start because if, if you're not even aware that you do it, (laughs) If you're not even aware that moving to Minnesota just as someone was ending a relationship for you is is a bad like that that that's gonna hurt them. Like if you don't even get that, it's hard for me to root for you. <laughs> but this, okay, yeah, like that's vulnerable and reflective and all the things I I want in a person. And so okay, I you know maybe it will be a happy ending for Sarah. I don't know. I mean I I think that. He's doing his very best. I don't think he was before. I think he is now. That's a good point. Yeah. Something about what you said reminded me of when Seth was in rehab mm-hmm. and Sarah had to defend her decision to support him. And she said, I believe he can change. Mm-hmm. Maybe the positive way of spinning her love is taking care of people is that she is someone who roots for underdogs. Yeah. You know, because with Seth, she said, I believe he can get better. And last we saw of Seth, he hasn't started using again. He's clean. His life is not flashy or impressive. But, you know, I take that back. The fact that he is resisting his addiction is impressive. Yeah. That's hugely impressive. So she's kind of being proven right on that front, even though they aren't together. Yeah. Nor do I think they should be together. Right. And if she sees Hank, if she just has faith in him, I think he can get better. I think he can be better. Yeah. It makes sense that she would identify with underdogs because she feels so much like an underdog. Yeah. And, you know, she's rooting for her kids who've had a lot of setbacks in their life and are still striving and have ambitions to be more. And she believes in them. Belief in underdogs and second chances and everything. I mean, I think those are generally great qualities. Yeah. But I do think it takes maybe a rare person because I think it does maybe require more sacrifice from that person supporting them than it would someone who was a little more together. Yeah. And maybe her taking a chance on people like Seth and Hank, maybe it's a little similar to people like Mark taking a chance on her. You know, like, you know, (laughs) here here was Mark when they first met, he's like 26 you know, supporting himself, like making a difference in people's lives, you know, in his profession. And he's like, you know who I'm going to date? 
this single mom who lives with her parents, like, and she tends bar. She's like, 38. She's 38. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because we're in Sarah's POV, we're like, well, of course, Sarah's amazing. And, you know, anyone would be lucky to have her. Maybe if the whole show were from Hank's POV, and hey, maybe that's where we're heading. <laughs> but Hank like, could. Yeah, Hank could. I love that. But yeah. This may- fall on NBC. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's coming up, Hank. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe um, then we would just think that anyone would be so lucky to have him and we would maybe see Mark as like the boring guy that, that Sarah's supposed to dump to go get with this much more complicated, dark, you know, character. <laughs> and like, it's just, I, I'm continually fascinated by how much of what we think depends on whose point of view we're in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and if we were, if it was yeah. the Mark Sear show, <laughs> his friends would be going, stop. Why is Mark wasting his time on this? Flake <laughs> yeah. of a woman. She you know. keeps not appreciating him. He should find someone. And she yes. doesn't have her life together. Yeah. Yeah. He thinks yeah, yeah. he thinks taking care of her is love. Isn't that tragic? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's so true. That's so funny. Wow. Oh man, uh, that's really crazy. I love listening to you guys talk. It's just so fun to be sitting here. Oh, <laughs> <to the> two of <laughs> you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I feel so bad that you're not quite caught up. Not because it matters to us, but like, you know, like I just, I hope you felt included, you know, like that's important to us. Oh, yeah. Yes. Good, yes. Good. Yes. Of course. It's been wonderful <laughs> having you here. I love this. Oh, it's so great to be here. <laughs> Oh yeah, I guess we haven't like officially done. Um, I like. Have we talked about all the storylines? Is it is it theme time? Well, cold feet was what I was noticing. Yeah, obviously it applied to selling the house, and I thought, well, Drew had cold feet about moving back in with Birdo. Yeah, Ashes of Rome had cold feet about touring with Four D. Hank had cold feet about apologizing to Sarah. Julia had cold feet about dating Ed or maybe anyone. She did not have cold feet about sleeping with Evan, but there's no, yeah. He had cold feet about being headmaster. That's true. I almost said Adam and Christina had cold feet about the school, but they never really doubted in this episode that they should be pursuing that goal. They were just nervous about whether or not it would work. Yeah. So I don't think that's quite the same. Yeah. This was the like one of the only times that I've ever like really looked at the title and like I, I I made a little theme section in my notes which I literally never do and I just wrote wow cold feet really applies to absolutely everyone that's what I because <laughs> it does yeah. it's really kind of a great title yeah it really that was nice and it's kind of impressive because I felt like this episode was a little like slapdash in terms of oh we just have all these dangling threads that okay, we have to do something with Natalie. Oh, we have to do something with Julia and Ed and other, but we have to get to school. That has to, where are we going with that? And Hank and the house. I don't know. They didn't all relate to each other very much. Although I guess that's not true. I mean, Julia was in the school storyline and the sex storyline. <laughs> she did. Yeah, that's true. They're... Oh, the mold, the mold. Or when they get me back in their house, they throw that in. Yeah. Yeah. The band, what's happening with the luncheonette? Throw that in. Yeah, the, it's like they realize, oh, the finale's coming up soon. We got to wrap it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, Julia sleeping with Evan is an interesting choice because 
are Adam and Christina going to be so pissed that their siblings keep sleeping with Max's trusted adults? Like, like yeah, right, right. I was thinking that too. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Well, Max just needs to stop getting assistance from such hotties. <laughs> <laughs> what are they supposed to do? <laughs> he was out of town and his two friends were so fine. That's a Macarena joke. That's what that was. <laughs> Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. You're always a delight. (laughs) Please check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parenthood Pals everywhere. And you can find all of our information on our website, parenthoodpals.com. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.